0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Grief Dialogues Compassion Culture Series. This is a podcast series that opens the conversation about dying, death and grief with caregivers and healthcare providers and a series of shared stories and in this case, shared poems. I am so honored to invite to our program today uh, Paul Taylor-McCartney from the UK whose poetry has just wowed uh uh, all of us at grief dialogues who've had the opportunity to read it and um i'd like to welcome you and uh, paul and and tell us a little bit about yourself
1: yes thank you very much uh it's great to meet you elizabeth and um and your readership and your community um so i'm um an author and researcher and teacher and lecturer and I live down in Cornwall in the most beautiful place when it's not raining mizzle and storms are coming in, as we've seen in the last 24 hours. But it's truly, truly a poetic place um, and really inspiring in, in lots of ways. I'm originally from the Midlands, so I, I travelled 260 miles away from family to set up a new life with my husband, five cats and a dog <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a little estate in a little village, um, which is surrounded by farms. So lots of sheep and cows and lovely, lovely neighbors. So that's that's what I'm doing now.
0: Oh, how beautiful. So uh, you're, you're, you know at Grief Dialogues, we're all about story. And um, would you mind sharing with us the stories that led you first to writing poetry in general. Um, and then also to talk about the particular poems that we've published on our site, The Unfinished and The Chosing. We'd love to hear your story.
1: Yes, thanks, Lisa. Um So I've written all of my life. I'm one of four brothers, but the only writer and creative in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from a blue collar family of factory workers, uh, which have a very proud heritage in working class um, Midlands. Um, and my grandparents were uh, miners um, from the Welsh Valleys originally. Um, So there was no real tradition in my family um, to to the craft or to writing poetry or anything creative, but it's something I turned to at a very young age as a a way of um, escaping into my imagination really. Mm. And, and, And tiding with that is my love of books I have a thousand books. <laughs> I've not quite written that many, <laughs> um, but I do have a lot of books. And so for me, the, there's that natural um, relationship, symbiosis between reader and writer. And I also uh, write music. I'm a lead singer in a band. Um, and um, so I do lots of creative things. Uh, and poetry and the music actually go really well together. Um, And I've always just written for me initially, until I really embarked on a PhD um, about three or four years ago. And and through the process of the PhD, which is in creative writing, um, I've learned to start to share my work more widely. For me, it was always a very personal, esoteric expression of who I was. And I'd say it's only in the last three or four years where I've felt comfortable to be able to start to share those stories with a wider public. And it's great that they've, you know, lots of my poetry and my short stories are now getting that wider public. But it's a very unusual feeling for spending the first 45 years of my life keeping my work very much to myself and guarding it. Um, The two poems that I sent to you um, are from a collection um, which examine, and they are very personal, very autobiographical. The stories behind them describe uh, the impact of a profound grief that I went through in 2016, when I lost a very dear friend of mine, a friend of 35 years, who'd been with me my whole life, and she was almost like a shadow to me. She was she was an extension of myself, and um, she had complications, medical complications, which took her from us quite suddenly, um, and because it wasn't a spouse, because it wasn't a family member, it was a friend, um, I didn't know who to turn to really, to explore um, the depth of the grief. And I've been lucky because I've not, even in such a large family, i would not had a lot of death in my life. I know um, I've not come close to it, particularly in my immediate family. And so when this happened, I didn't really know how to process it so I turned to the poetry and poetry allowed me to to bring to the surface lots of feelings um, and emotions that I'd, I'd 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 not I'd not really vocalized or verbalized before about that friend and these two poems along with about 25 to 30 others mm-hmm. are the expression of that process wow wow that's
0: oh, this is beautiful now, you mentioned that you've um, po- uh, uh, published a book of poetry, is that right, or about to publish it?
1: Yeah, so I've got, I've got them together as just a single collection at the moment, and I've started to enter them into pamphlets and um, chapbook competitions, mm. started to do that. But I'm also still working on them at the same time, right. because as they go out and they, get, they find um, people who like them and want to share them, they they get transformed and changed through the editing process as well. Oh, of course. So, <laughs> like with any like with any creative work, they're always going to be in the process of changing and transforming. But yes, yeah, so I've I've put them together as a as a book as a collection.
0: Oh, great! Um,
1: and I've started to to um, to send them to people who knew that person like I knew her uh, initially.
0: Right, right. Oh, what so they can
1: cool kind of share in that. That because they're very personal to those people. Sure. Um, and any any money that we make off those additions, I'm going to give to that person's charity.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, it's yeah. a way of giving back, to, you know, to support sure. the things she cared about and the things she believed in.
0: Right, right. Oh, what a beautiful gesture. Wow. Um, so, and in a way, this kind of, uh, what you just said, it, it definitely leads to my next question because I've heard that Poetry is described as the, the language of reconciliation. Does mm. that description ring true for you?
1: Yes, very much so. Um, I think reconciliation comes after conflict mm. in many respects, mm-hmm. Elizabeth. So um, conflict um, can be both internal and between ourselves and the outside world and between two people as well so the reconciliation which i think poetry does help with is about bringing two parties together whether that's the internal and the external or two people who've um who've lost each other in some respects mm-hmm. and i don't know if you notice but the poetry a lot of it, the two i sent you is uh, written in the second person yeah so it's got the direct address to the person who's gone Mm-hmm. potentially as if they've continued in the afterlife but in a in a in a in a different way they do continue with us don't they the people continue oh, yeah. with us in our hearts and in our minds and our memories mm-hmm. and that's as real as any afterlife in many respects um, okay. because they stay with us forever and mm-hmm. um, so yes there is a reconciliation taking place and I definitely yeah the, there are the, the middle section of the book um, looks at what that conflict lo- could look like, the, It's so uh, they're very dark poems, and the choosing is from that section Right. Um, Unfinished is from the first section where you're trying to register and understand the scope of the loss, right. whereas the choosing if we're looking at the stages of grief is the anger and the resentment which often and the conflict which comes out of the loss and what else could have been done um, yeah so those two poems are from the first and middle sections. Um, but yes, definitely, reconciliation of lots of kinds takes place with poetry. It's a, good, it's a good description of poetry, actually.
0: Well, Neil um, Barrison he's a counsellor and interfaith chaplain specialising in grief and loss. He, he wrote a piece for our blog recently that talked about the power of poetry and healing. And he particularly appreciates the power that's exuded when a poem is read aloud as in a hospital setting. What's your opinion about poetry read silently to oneself and poetry read out loud?
1: It's it's interesting that because um, when I write the poetry, I don't speak it. (laughs)
0: Mm.
1: Um, Only when it's finished in its first draft does it become performance so again, going back to that internal and external, the internal voice that writes it comes from a place that you don't always vocalize or verbalize. But when it passes through to the external, the performance comes into play. And, and so it's really odd. When I read my own poetry back, um, I don't hear it in the same way as when I perform it. Oh, <laughs> oh, interesting. So it takes on a far more performative act when read aloud. So. Maybe there's something there in the process. But poetry, in its tradition, of course, is an oral tradition um, where they were passed on from generation to generation verbally and orally. So it makes sense, really, to read it aloud. Right. (laughs) And lots of poetry is great when read aloud.
0: Right, right. So, would you favour us by reading um, your pieces aloud to us and then? I'll add my own commentary, because obviously I've read these two myself, and now I'll be able to hear them.
1: Okay, so I, thank you very much, Elizabeth. I think I'll read Unfinished first, and then would you like me to go straight into the choosing? Yes, please. Okay, so Unfinished. Marker ribbons of unfinished books, pantry of half-filled cereal packets, Freezer of sliced bread, each bleached face quite blank. Marmalade jar, a few rinds still hidden intact, preserved in an amber resin, (laughs) a lost age distilled at the exact points you left the world. Reorder your cutlery drawer, bring it back, back in line, for you craved symmetry. A line meeting a line, rug edge against a skirting board, so neat and purposeful. The orderliness of ruthless logic of that young girl fresh in from grammar school, where they, they taught girls in lines by rote and by rule. There are numerous clocks, of course, marking the steady rhythm of those lengthy sunset hours, defiling and defying the chaos of loss which I thought would forever follow me about like like a pet mongrel. Anyway, that has passed now. Shock and awe giving way to direction, instruction, otherworldly intuition. One is everywhere and nowhere you laugh. Whatever you imagine it to be, it it is exactly that. And I suspect you've come to rehearse your, your latest role. Playful, mischievous, partial, part whole.
0: Beautiful. Oh, I just love that.
1: And uh, The Choosing, uh, which is from slightly, slightly later in the same collection. Airtight room, vacuum sealed escape proof a few hours of light before everything succumbs to obscure night back to back darkness skirting board to ceiling i confirm again you've gone and watch air sink and bend disappear underground cannot be unearthed dig as I might, night after night, pitching and spilling, wooden planks apart to reach your inert form. Hoary death mask, I, a cup in one hand, edge of time stuff, black holes finally roared from forfeiture, bleak valleys beneath shift uneasily, somehow, somehow managing surface compliance in your eyes meet mine. I will take one limb, your choice. I think your ancient familiar has my tongue, claws at my throat, scratching a hollow response. Take your pick, I say. It's impossible to lose one aspect of all I am and will ever need. Coward, you spit. And as usual, I I wake up on a hospital ward, family and loved ones frame the bed on all sides. A brilliant raft kept afloat by tsunamis of grief, blooded bandages wound tightly about a stump where my right hand once reached out to comfort or balled itself into a fist. Shark must have got him, one says. All self-hunger, 30 days in, laughs another. Should have taken all of me, I whisper back. I was ripe for the taking.
0: Ooh, those are just such beautiful words, and they, and they conjure up such images and stories, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I can feel the loss so deeply personal in the images that come up with that, that come up in my own mind when I hear you read that or when I read it, you know, to myself. Um, how, so in the creative paths, how do you come up with this imagery? Because this is very unusual in a way, but, but the rawness of it and the uniqueness of it is really what spoke to us when we read it the first time because it was not a simple sad or grief type poem.
1: Um you can probably tell I'm a huge fan of Sylvia Plath.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um the confessional mode of digging very deep mm-hmm. and finding a voice and speaking even to a loved one as Sylvia Plath often did towards her father mm-hmm. or to her husband who she felt wronged her. And to the and to the, the black side of herself, the dark side of herself that she couldn't reconcile. Mm-hmm. Um and the imagery is all about, in each poem, objects of very importance. Um, so sometimes like in Unfinished, I started with the cupboard which opens and you find the little bits left that someone left as they were before they went to hospital. And that's the last time you may have seen them. Oh. Um, and they, you start with the, I started with that as a story And the clock which had wound down. Because it had no one to wind it up. Um, And then. In the choosing. Because the grief Elizabeth felt. And I'm sure your listeners will relate to this. Who felt profound grief. I felt like I'd um, incurred a disability. I felt like a limb. A part of me. Had been hacked from my body. And so that started me to think in the choosing particularly about the process of losing a person when they're metaphorically described as a right hand Mm -hmm. ironically i sprained my hand at christmas by slipping in the bath and i've lost the use of my right hand (laughs) bizarrely for nearly for nearly nine weeks now i've only just started to be able to type and move again so poetry actually became Reality oh. at Christmas, as if, the, as if the voices in the poems actually manifested themselves as reality. So that was really interesting. Right. But it gave me an insight yet again into what it must be like to lose a person mm. in losing yes. your right hand.
0: I bet. I bet. And how long ago was it that um, you lost your friend?
1: And what was her name? 2006. Yeah, so it's five years. This five year. years. And her name her name's Kim 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 yes yes. and she was best she was best woman at my wedding in the May Ah. and and was dead by the October
0: oh
1: oh yeah she gave me away to my husband in May Mm -hmm. and then there there are there's a poem about that called the handkerchief which Mm. a day of celebration and a few days a few months later it's the same handkerchief is used at a funeral.
0: Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I bet that's and, uh, profound.
1: Yeah, So it's not, it's not long ago, but it's, it's like with any grief of this kind. I can't imagine it's, it's, it's going to change. Right. And that's what I read on, on your website. What attracted me to the grief dialogues is that it doesn't end. It, it transforms and changes and becomes something different. But it never leaves you, does it?
0: Never leaves you. It does change. And it's something different, and and the it's you know I'm not a big fan personally of the term journey because with a yeah. journey there tends to be an end.
1: Yeah, a, um, yeah, a final destination.
0: Final destination. So to me, it's more of a process, and yes. uh, but but that word still is incomplete. But it's better than journey, I think personally. But um, but it is it's part of you know there is the the grief that occurs that very day and then sometimes that pain, that rawness comes back 20 years later um, out of the blue or maybe there'll be something that triggered it and there'll be a lot of, of feeling, grief feeling uh, over time. And one day it's one way and one day it's another and, and that's what we need to give ourselves you know, a break, so to speak, that it believe- will, it'll change.
1: And the, the poems for me, uh, as all my creative work has done this, they're little, they're little um, historical um, documents,
0: mm-hmm.
1: emotional documents that I can go back to a shelf and reaccess by reading them and actually reading them aloud. I don't feel that way anymore in that sense. But when I read the poem, I'm back there. So it's a way of remembering that rawness and that immediacy of what happened and the depth of it. Right. Because in, in remembering that, you're remembering how much you love the person and how difficult it was to lose them. Right, right, yes. Um, so it's new again. <laughs> yeah, right, yes. So
0: uh, it seems that there is a poetry renaissance of source in the United States thanks to uh, the wonderful youth poet laureate, Amanda Gorman, who, who read at President Biden's inaugural. In fact, they are calling this poetry renaissance the Gorman effect. Are they? <laughs> yes, it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, do you have any words of encouragement for the younger poets of the world?
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I watch the Gorman um, address at the inauguration. What, what a perform! What a moment oh, yeah. for poetry, but for pe- young people as well. Now, I've been a teacher for 25 years, mm. and uh, and my my profession is about helping young people. Um, I'm a lecturer now in in a university, but I I started off as a secondary phase teacher, so mm-hmm. 11 to 18, and I always used to read my some of my poetry that I worked on in class with them on a theme I'd share that with them and I always said to young people poetry um, has the power to transform and fix who you think you are and who you want to become and when you're in that fluid age range of young people up to the age of 24, 25 nothing's fixed and so like poetic form itself um, explore the free verse of your life explore the personal as the political use the poetry to find who you are and all you can be and all you could ever be Mm -hmm. um and so as gorman did i can see why we're calling it the gorman effects poetry can will an idea into existence and that's what she proved on that in that performance that if you can imagine it it can happen Mm -hmm. so young people and poetry are perfect
0: together oh i love that i love that um well this has just been beautiful and and i feel so honored to not only be able to to publish your work but to hear hear it live from you especially about the topic of grief that you obviously right now the world has had more than its fair share of grieving and to have an outlet whether It's hearing your words, reading your words, or encouraging others to write their own words. It's a really powerful gift that you're giving the world, and I I want to personally thank you for that. Um, And in closing, Paul, I was hoping you would read us one more poem, one that we haven't uh, published, that you could uh, sort of gift us with this afternoon.
1: Well, thank you very much. And um, before we finish, and I read the the poem Candles, um, Elizabeth, I'd just like to say, thank you to you and your organization for giving people like me the opportunity to share our stories and to read one another's stories because grief in western cultures particularly um, in lots of cultures is something it's the last thing people talk about and i attended a funeral last friday um Mm. which um, we had to do by remote zoom because you know, of the current pandemic and this person had died due to COVID. And um, people people, um, this year, more than any year, the last year, have had to face death in an unparalleled, unrivaled way. Mm -hmm. Um, So organizations like yours take on even more value for people like us, Mm -hmm. for everyone, Uh, not just for the creatives, but for the people who consume it as well and read it and enjoy it. So thank you so much for everything you do.
0: Well, thank you, I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> okay, so this is candles. The little flames flicker, shuddering at a breeze, new in from a door left ajar. Around the room, faces are pulled tight at the edges, moods lifted higher for a moment. For a few seconds, time escapes. 60 years. Finger clicks hovering in the gaps between worlds. Here all is good, all at peace, cracked hearts found repaired, tears all risen become waxen relics. Happy birthday, dearest friends, we hear you say, as if we'd forgotten to believe. Maybe we can learn collectively to take a step closer, courageous few, stoop low and purse our lips blow out the perfect circle of lights for souls lost this way and for hearts found
0: we each have to lose to find oh that was so beautiful it's called the candle
1: candles yes so um kim would have turned 60. Um, yeah so um, i imagined we we actually just, just to finish we we had a birthday party without her there. <laughs>
0: mm.
1: So all of her friends, this was pre-COVID, of course, um, all the friends gathered and they all put 60th birthday cards with messages and poetry inside a box, which I have in a, in a memory box just to my right here. <sighs> and I promised everyone that I would never open them because they're for Kim.
0: Oh, what a beautiful story and what a beautiful idea. I'm gonna share that. Uh, uh, it's a very powerful a very, thing to do. It sounds like it, really. And I actually have tips of things to to help people with their grief and oh, and to memorize it.
1: Everyone there, because she was so looking forward to her sixtieth. Mm. Everyone there, we had such a great time. And it, because we are only we are only the people who live with us and and nourish us and enrich us, it's as if she was there because they all bore they all brought a little piece of. Uh, with them on that day. Stories. You talked about stories. We shared a story and then private stories we put inside the card and into the box.
0: <laughs> oh, great idea. Well, thanks again, Paul. Um, it's just been such an honor to have you on today. And I do hope you submit some more poetry so we can do this again sometime because this is just a beautiful way to uh, remember not only your loved ones, but all of our loved ones. Uh, this was, was just so special for me. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Elizabeth. And I'm going to purchase the,
1: the book that came out, The Grief Dialogues oh. Compendium, the collection.
0: Ah, great. Thank you that so much. much.